Hello, and welcome back to the Turn by Turn podcast. I'm Chris, and Daniel is not here. I'm flying solo today, but I'm excited to bring you another developer interview. Today, I am joined by Cole Brayfield, who made the game Walk with the Living, and I'm super excited to get into that because it looks like a game that is right up my alley. How are you today, Cole? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Because your game looks great. <laughs> I'm glad. All right. So uh, I guess we just start with, uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I am, um, I've been kind of interested in game dev for a while, uh, but I am primarily a writer uh, and a, I did my, uh, so kind of my background um, is that I kind of worked in, uh, worked on some kind of like RPG maker kind of games uh, in my undergrad. Uh, And then I did my master's in English uh, and started writing more like fiction and other kind of genres. uh, And then started making this game uh, after graduating from my master's. uh, And uh, yeah, I really wanted to focus on storytelling in this game. So kind of my background is mostly as a writer. I see. That's really interesting uh, and definitely a really important part of making an RPG. Um, How do you feel like that helped you, like the whole English degree? How do you feel like that translated to gaming versus books? Yeah, uh, I'm really interested in more narrative focused games. Uh, So storytelling is always kind of the biggest thing that appeals to me and kind of the thing that I hope to um, really put into games. And I think games have. like specifically RPGs have a really uh, interesting um, way to convey stories, right? Uh, Like the way that they're able to use things like choice uh, and being able to kind of have that interactive element kind of opens up a lot of different possibilities for what kinds of stories can be told in games. So, yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. Um, So to, to clue our audience in a little bit uh, as to what the game looks like, um, when I first looked at it, I actually thought you built it on the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem engine. Yeah, yeah. I'm obviously super uh, inspired by Fire Emblem with this game. Uh, the first Fire Emblem games that I played, like a lot of kind of Western audiences were the GBA ones. Uh, I started with Sacred Stones. Um but yeah, that's definitely a huge influence. Now I'm kind of a little more interested in um, some of the ones that never got localized, like uh, genealogy. Uh, and um, I'm also really, I love Radiant Dawn. That's probably my favorite in the franchise. So Fire Emblem is definitely a huge influence, but um, also kind of, I was inter- or I was kind of influenced by games like Persona 2, even though it may not look like it, uh, but I'm kind of other RPGs uh, that really focus on storytelling were and kind of um, deep involved characters were other huge influences for me. So yeah, so the the thing where, where I was going with that with the story stuff as well was um, on your Steam page, it says characters die permanently, but there are always more stories to be told. 
When a character dies, new narrative branches, relationships, and recruitments become available. Death isn't the end. So Fire Emblem obviously does the recruitments if deaths happen. Um, but I'm really curious into new narrative branches and relationships, because I don't know if I've seen that in an SRPG before. Yeah, so I was, I felt like in a lot of ways, Fire Emblem games tend to be pretty linear. Like they usually, um, so Sacred Stones is like an example where there are kind of branching routes, right? And then Three Houses, um, obviously a big selling point is the branching routes, I guess, fates to... But I really wanted to be thinking about the ways in which, uh, like, if we are going to have the permanent deaths of characters, how do those deaths really impact the other characters that are left? And I already was kind of thinking about the game um, with kind of themes of death and like really thinking about death. The main character is a skeleton. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. was gonna, I was gonna mention that like the main character seems to already be dead. So yeah. 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 So, uh, the main character has just been brought back from, uh, brought back from death. So yeah, I, I was kind of interested in that. And then having that theme, I was kind of, it made me feel kind of silly if I then had permanent deaths but those permanent deaths weren't really like dramatically affecting the story so yeah that was something I really wanted to include and I felt like was really important so yeah if a certain uh, especially main characters that die kind of uh, impact the way the story goes but then also uh, really any characters that die have kind of impacts on the relationships that they um, with the characters that are kind of left Right. Uh, so, yeah, that was something I really wanted to think about and focus on. And not that that's never been done in Fire Emblem games. Uh, it definitely has been. But uh, that was something I really wanted to make central to this. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think that's really unique and really interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about the story. Um, do you want to kind of not spoil anything, but just kind of summarize where, where do we start and maybe talk about some of the characters? Yeah. So, um, really it's, I was also really interested in telling like a smaller story. A lot of the Fire Emblem games, um, really focus on like lords, right? Princes, princesses, like these big wars. Uh, and I wanted to tell a smaller story than that. So yeah, the story is, um, it focuses on three kind of main characters, there's this uh, swordswoman named Aoife, there's uh, a necromancer named Kier, and the two of them decide to, uh, their village has just been attacked by this mercenary group uh, led by a man named Odger, and they decide to raise this uh, knight from the dead uh, named Rowan, and the three of them kind of... Uh, begin this journey to fight uh, Odgar, but then also um, kind of think about whether they should fight Odgar and kind of the um, thinking about kind of one of another theme I was really wanting to think about with the game was kind of uh, a lot of the Fire Emblem games are really focused on kind of conflict and war, right? Um, and there have definitely been themes in those games of um nonviolence and that was also something that I really wanted to think about like because I'm someone that 
is really interested in nonviolence. So uh, I really wanted to like, how do I make an SRPG while also considering um, how much violence that entails, right? We have all these kind of nameless um, people that have to get killed in an SRPG or like there has to be these tactical battles, right? Um, so that was also something I was thinking about and something the characters are thinking about. Uh, so that's the main gist of the story though. Yeah, I'm not t- totally surprised to hear you say that after you say Radiant Dawn is one of your favorite Fire Emblem games, because I always said uh, in our episodes about those, like, to me, Path of Radiance is like, what if the Lagoos were people? And then Radiant Dawn is, what if the people that you were killing this whole time were people? Right, right. Um, yes, yeah, with the with Dan and the Dawn Brigade in Radiant Dawn. Yeah, there are definitely those themes. Um, And that was something else I wanted to, with making the main character, uh, someone who had already died and um, the skeleton character, I really wanted to think about like, how does someone like that, like go through the world? What would they be thinking? Uh, So that was something else that I was really interested in and kind of thinking about, um, especially with that character of Rowan. So are there like secret characters to recruit? Yeah. So there are a few, um, there's kind of uh, a major route diversion uh, early in the game. And that kind of leads to there are uh, several characters that are um, kind of only available if some of your uh, party dies. So there are kind of replacement characters. Um is a lot of times what they're called in Fire Emblem games, but I really wanted to make those characters more. I feel like some people kind of had negative reactions to those types of characters because uh, I think some people, um, obviously there are kind of maybe two different ways to play Fire Emblem. I think a lot of people uh, will play like, I'm not going to let anyone die, right? Uh, and then some people will play um, SRPGs allowing kind of this permanent death. So I, I wanted to the game is open to be played uh, either way, right? But for these people that want to play a more like maybe Iron Man uh, experience where like you allow your characters to remain dead, um, I wanted to kind of have some narrative consequences there. Um, But yeah, so there are some characters that uh, actually important characters that show up um, only if other characters die. So, Um, And I definitely would want to see all of them because the character art looks gorgeous. Like really some of the best, uh, the design is some of the best I've seen actually in an SRPG. They look really, really nice. Um, did you do the art or did do you have help? Yeah, so um, I have uh, luckily been able to work with um, like several great artists. Um, so I was able to commission art and yeah, those, uh, the portraits are, um, gorgeous. I'm really appreciative of uh, the artists um, and also the pixel art. Uh, I worked with um, an artist named Raul and also really gorgeous. I really loved the like animation work that he was able to give to um, some of the even like smaller characters. Like there's a cat uh, that you can recruit and I really love uh, kind of the work that he did there. So yeah, I'm really proud of uh, their work and I'm just really thankful that I was able to work with them and um, that they were so willing to kind of go with my ideas and produce such high quality work. Yeah, I think it was definitely, definitely worth it. In in regards to getting some help, you, you said that your primary 
uh, focus. You're a writer, you're an author, um, but you're making a game. How, how hard is that? Uh, it is hard. Uh, so like some of the other people that you uh, have interviewed on the podcast so far, I actually used um, an engine called uh, SRPG Studio to make this, which is kind of uh, in the same vein as like an RPG maker. Um, but I really wanted to uh, push um, the engine to do kind of the most that I felt like it could do. Because uh, I know that I'm not a programmer. I did not do a lot of programming uh, for this. I kind of uh, dipped my toe in where I could, but uh, I really wanted to make the narrative a focus. And that's really the great part of things uh, like engines like RPG Maker or um, SRPG Studio, these engines that um, I think often kind of get derided, but um, I think allow for a more narrative focus or for people like me uh, to be able to make games. So I'm, yeah, I am not a programmer. Uh, so I was just grateful that I was able to kind of use this engine to um, make what I wanted to make. So, mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, I think that these uh, RPG studio, RPG maker games do get kind of a bad rep, but and I, I've said on the show before, I used to be that way, that when I saw those, I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I didn't take it as seriously, but getting into this show and actually taking, like, deeper looks into these games, I'm like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it really is a full-fledged, uh, all of the titles that we've, we've had on the show really are full-fledged games uh, with tons of care put into them, tons of art and stuff. And there's some that people say, oh, you know, this was done in RPG Maker or SRPG Maker. And I'm like, I had no idea. You know, I thought, like I said, I thought this was built on like the Fire Emblem GBA engine. I didn't know that it was on anything else. And I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I think um, as more projects like continue, as more games are released, like from these engines, because I think that's potentially happened a little bit with uh, like RPG Maker. I think as people have kind of, um, produced more different and more unique uh, kind of products from these engines. I think they've begun to get different. Uh, people have started to have different perspectives of them. So I'm happy about that. That's something I'm excited for. It's something I've I've become very excited for. <laughs> yeah. I see that your game is free to play, and I do think it is the first one we've had that is. So um, what are, what are your kind of your, your goals with that? And uh, what made you make it free? Yeah. Um, I really wanted to, so this is, like I said, I, uh, I released, um, this is really my second full game that I've made. I released a project, like I said, kind of early in my undergrad um, with RPG maker. Uh, but this is like the first project that um is that I feel like really represents me as kind of um, an adult writer and uh, artist. So I wanted to, one, it was definitely a consideration of uh, wanting to kind of dip my toe in a little bit slowly, like not jump right into a commercial project. But more importantly, I just wanted to um, make it as accessible as possible uh, for as many people as possible. I just want uh, as many people to experience the game uh, as possibly can. And I'm excited 
for the fact that it's uh, free. Um, the other thing is that I'm I'm thankful that I have a day job. I'm actually an English teacher, so uh, I'm a high school English teacher, and so I don't. Um, I'm I'm grateful that I don't need a commercial project. Uh, I don't. This was kind of more of a hobby project for me um, that I was working on, kind of in between my day job. So yeah, I I'm grateful and thankful that um i didn't need it to be a commercial release that i was able to release it for free in that way hopefully as many people as possible can play it yeah i i really like that and so definitely all of you out there it's free i mean you have no reason to not at least give it a shot um there was one other thing i wanted to ask about uh what are your what are your future plans with uh with the project or is this is it finished um yeah, so uh, the project is finished and released, uh, just released on Steam on uh, January 21st. So um, definitely, if you're listening to this, go play it. It's free. It's available. As far as future plans, um, I would like to work on a sequel. Um, I'm already kind of uh, working with artists uh, and kind of making plans for that. Um, as maybe a, a teaser of that, I am hoping to have some characters uh, come back and kind of make it uh, a few years later. So I kind of like that idea. That's something that um, I feel like I've been talking about Fire Emblem a lot, but uh, that's, okay. that's a fun thing that my favorite of the uh, Fire Emblem games have done. That's something that like genealogy does right that's something that uh radiant dawn does and that's something that uh three houses does so i think it's always fun to kind of revisit characters a little bit later and then you kind of get that um you're already invested in those characters but then you also uh can kind of see how they've grown um since the events of the last game so those are kind of uh my future plans all right and how long would you say the the game takes to complete yeah, so uh, an average run is about uh, eight to nine hours. Um, the number of chapters is between 10 and 11. Uh, so, and the chapters tend to go, like I said, paced a little bit faster uh, uh, with everything happening on the map. Well, I think that sounds pretty good for a, a small SRPG with a really interesting story that you're supposed to want to play multiple times. I think that's a pretty good length. Yeah. Um, that was something also I was really interested in. So this, I really hope people will, uh, replay the project because, um, I've really designed it for with the multiple routes with, uh, so many different kind of, uh, choices that impact, the characters in different ways. I'm really uh, hoping that people will replay it. And um, there's also a new game plus where you can kind of carry over uh, equipment and that kind of thing. So definitely I would encourage people to, uh, once you've finished it once, give it another go. Mm, the new game plus and carrying over stuff is really nice and not something you see very often in the genre. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to, for me as a player, sometimes I, like, obviously, it's great to go back and replay for story, like getting to see those story moments that you didn't get to see the first time, right? But I also wanted to make it kind of, um, as you're playing the first time, you might be collecting equipment with the knowledge, uh, 
potentially that you can then uh, use that in your second playthrough. So yeah, I really wanted there to be like kind of mechanical um, reasons for wanting to play again as well. Mm, I think it also could add another layer of uh, depth and thinking about things that's like, oh, I got a really powerful axe, but I don't have anybody that can really use that. And then it's like, well, in the next run, Gives, gives you a reason to hang on to it and be excited about it anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, and another thing, um, so a design decision that I uh, made in the game was inventories are kind of limited, right? So their characters can carry like three items, but um, weapons have unlimited uses. So that was another thing too, is that um, it, once you kind of get equipment, you can kind of hang on to that. So that's another consideration with the new game plus is that when you carry that equipment back over, you might be starting the game again with suddenly um, equipment that really changes maybe the way that you play or uh, your perspective on certain battles. Uh, at least that was my goal. Uh, and that's kind of what I've found in testing. But um, yeah, I've also tried to, with that, I've tried to make, because I don't have equipment with, uh, or like weapons with a certain a number of uses, I've tried to design weapons in a way that you could end up using like steel weapons uh, throughout the game because they might be kind of the most balanced weapon, but maybe stronger weapons uh, are a little less balanced, right? So I've tried to um, make it make some interesting decisions for players on what kinds of equipment they want to use. Yeah, I, I keep getting distracted because I've got your Steam thing open in the background. And I just have to point out, like, uh, I'm a writer, too. Um, but, man, these are the most English teacher names for characters. The girl with white hair. Can, can you say her name one more time for me? Yeah, Aoife. Uh, it's like... Right. Y'all would not believe how this is spelled. <laughs> Aoife, and it's A-O-I-F-E. <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of the um, names are kind of Irish uh, in, and Irish names tend to have, especially for like modern um, English audiences that don't have a lot of, I guess, specifically U.S., because uh, I'm U.S.-based, but uh, I think they're super weird for us, right? Because uh, yes. I think there are some, like vowels and things in there that do very different things. Um, so, yeah, that was... Uh, because of kind of the different uh, nations in the world of the game, uh, kind of the main one that you are, um, that most of the action takes place in uh, is Estia, and it's kind of inspired by um, Irish mythology. And so I really wanted to kind of bring in those. Um, I also think for... Uh, Western audiences for a U.S. audience, those names will maybe be a little bit more interesting and memorable. So, oh, for sure, I feel like uh, I learned how to read playing Pokemon, and I feel like I'm learning to read again. <laughs> yes, yes, I feel that. But that's cool. Like, uh, I'll definitely like I'll, I'll think about that more. And you know, there's there's vowel ways to play with vowels that I, I don't normally think about. I, I think that's really neat. Yeah, well, and I think that's also maybe an influence from uh, Fire Emblem 2 that I feel like so many Fire Emblem names, you just kind of, you're kind of guessing at, uh, especially when you're like a younger um, 
when you're like a kid playing these games, you're like, I don't really know how to say that name, but I'm just gonna, oh, I'm yeah. gonna say it my way, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some that I will not even admit to, but <laughs> that right. was like, I had these such a weird versions of characters' names that when I looked back on it as an adult, I was like, oh, no, that's like a very common name. I don't know why I struggled so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, do you have anything else that the audience just has to know about Walk With the Living? I think we've covered a lot. I just hope that uh, folks are excited by it. Again, it is free. So go out, uh, give it a try. And uh, um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what um, people think of it. So me too. I'm definitely going to keep my, my eye on it. Uh, I'm definitely going to try this one. Um, it's definitely not a big time investment and it's, again, it's free. So that's walk with the living and you definitely should, uh, give that a shot. And if nothing else, just, just open it on steam and look at some of this art and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I, I get why I would want to try that. As I say that it cycles to the next screenshot and there's a guy whose name is art. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if people want to follow you in your, uh, your creating and your different passion projects, uh, where can they find you? How can yeah. they support you best? Yeah. So, uh, my website is, uh, my last name, Brayfield, uh, B-R-A-Y-F-I-E-L-D, uh, writing.com. So I definitely, uh, follow me there. Uh, kind of maybe check out, uh, some of my other writing if you're interested, but that's the best way to kind of follow what I'm doing. You say check out some of your other writing. Um, I have no problem if you want to like shill a book or something. Do you, do you want to shill anything else? Uh, so I have some uh, kind of short stories and essays coming out uh, later this spring, uh, but not any books, not any big things. So yeah, they'll be on my uh, website. So definitely check there. Uh, but uh, this is kind of my big project coming out right now uh the thing that i'm kind of most excited about so all right well that's still cool if if people really like the the game and really like your writing then it's good to know that there's more coming yes oh for sure uh i am not stopping anytime soon so yeah thank you so much uh for having me and uh i really appreciate this uh chance to chat with you Oh, thanks for coming on. It's It's been great. And uh, of course, I'll ask if if you have a student listen to this, do you want to tell them anything? Uh, if my students find this, they will probably be just laughing. Uh, I teach mostly freshmen, so they're, they're 14. They've got um, lots going on. But uh, if any of you are listening, uh, let me know at school next day. <laughs> All right, let me end the episode real quick and then off air we can talk Godzilla a little bit more if you want to. So perfect, perfect. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Turn by Turn. It is awesome uh, to be hanging out again with Cole and talking about Walk with the Living. Definitely go check it out and check us out. You can find us uh, wherever podcasts are put up. You obviously found us to, to be listening to this. So I'm glad you did. And I hope you'll listen to another episode, but uh, you can find us on YouTube as well, Spotify, 
uh, Apple Podcasts and Twitter. And I need to go find our Twitter at because I always forget what it is. It is at Turn by Turn Pod. So definitely follow us there to keep up with all the things that Daniel and I are up to. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thank you.